What is up, guys? Welcome to Freshman Economics. Justin Antonella here, and I'm on the campus of the beautiful Wheaton College, just outside Chicago, Illinois. On today's show, the freedom to pursue a balanced diet. I'll be analyzing the epidemic caused by the big multinational food industries, which is, of course, the incline of obesity and dietary-related illness in the United States. As a result, the health, reputation, and flourishing of our nation is at stake. Okay, so here's where my opinion differs from the rest. I don't think you can fully blame the top industries for making America fat. You see, there's another cause to the problem that's not endorsed by economists, agriculturists, and um, even the majority of the U.S. population. That is, despite most other factors, consumers generally have the freedom to pursue balanced diets if they make good decisions. But before I get into that, there is this one disclaimer, and it's pretty big. The leading food industries do massively influence consumers, and they do seem to be fully responsible for the poor dietary patterns that are prevalent across the country. That's just a fact. David Stuckler, an expert on food markets, production, and unhealthy consumption, found that three-fourths three fourths of world food sales involve processed foods for which the largest manufacturers hold over a third of the global market. Why is that? Because people desire availability and affordability. They prefer the easy, quick fix option instead of the more challenging, less fun, but more beneficial alternative. They're thinking about the short run more than they're thinking about the long run. This, in my opinion, is where the problem shifts from the industry to the consumer. And I'm going to show you what I mean. Although organic and plant-based foods may be less available, no one is forcing these individuals to eat against the recommended diet. The temptation may be greater, but at the end of the day, the consumer is responsible for refraining from putting destructive food into his or her body, unless, of course, they don't have enough money to purchase anything at all and starve. Dr. Andrew Drunowski, an illustrious director of multiple health and nutrition programs, discovered in his studies that the inability of low-income households to secure a healthy, nutritious diet has been ascribed mostly to a lack of education, low self-efficacy, and high stress. Notice how the price of food is not mentioned in there. These reasons all seem to be intrinsic problems, self-problems, problems that can be solved through what I think motivation and hard work. And if you're still not convinced that the price of healthy food is not a barrier or not fully a barrier or not mostly a barrier to eat healthy food, take a look at this. The USDA funded a study where Andrea Carlson and Elizabeth Fraser, who are like ballers in the fields of health and agriculture, conducted a huge experiment that calculated the price of exactly 4,439 different foods that adults eat that probably took a crazy long time. So they used specific metrics, and a metric is just a standard of measurement. And in this case, it's basically a more specific way to measure, compare food against each other. They found 
when measured on the basis of edible weight or average portion size, vegetables and fruits are less expensive than most dairy protein and moderation foods. And it measured with the metric of price per calorie, less healthy foods, high in saturated fat and or added sugars tend to be high in calories and have a low price per calorie. The experts found regardless of the metric used, the analysis makes clear that it is not possible to conclude that healthy foods are more expensive than less healthy foods. The point is that the price is not the main factor that inhibits consumers' healthful purchasing freedom. Considering, of course, they are not deprived geographically and like there are like decent supermarkets nearby, consumers who regularly afford food already possess budget to substitute a healthy alternative. Likewise, I don't think consumers do a good job in taking control of their decisions. This is the root of the issue, straight up. Their intuitions guide their understanding of food quality, which is also a false understanding. So there is a study conducted at my sister's college, Vanderbilt University, with 163 participants. Basically, in this study, like undergraduate students were given high and low-quality granola bites. And um, not only did the high-quality bites taste cleaner, they also looked better. And after the participants ate them, they were asked to rank each on a scale from one to seven. And the scale represented the participants' estimated price. The study resulted in participants matching quality with price. Of course, participants assumed that the healthier, higher quality foods were more expensive and the tastier foods were less expensive. It is embedded in their intuition. The implication is that consumers rely more on their intuitive perceptions than the product quality presented before them. And frankly, this intuition is not always true. Acknowledging the burdensome incentives of the popular food industries, some consumers are more disadvantaged than others when it comes to attaining a healthful diet. The food industry is to be blamed for selfish motives and having little care for their consumer's physical wellness. However, it is the quest of the consumer to make educated decisions and to begin to desire the undesirable for his or her own future well-being. This is the first of what I hope will be more than one show about economics and food. So please send me more ideas for more shows. You can email at justin.ant at transcendme. Justin Antonello here. Hope you enjoyed. Thanks for tuning in.